Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the North Pros Outdoors Podcast. Episode 80... Oh god, what is this one? 82, 83. Episode 84. That was kind of a rough, rough uh, intro there. My name is Nick Beto. I'm longtime listener, first time podcaster, Jacob Enixon. He's still alive, for those of you that were wondering. It's been... <clears throat> it's been a minute. Uh, and then joining us uh, via phone-in, uh, we've this will be the, the third episode in a row of a phone-in guest. Um, we've had him on before, and we tried getting him on when he was here in person, and that did not work. Uh, we've got Dylan Wolfgram phoning in all the way from North Carolina. Yeah, hi. How's it going, Nick and Jake? Good to be on with you guys again. Man, we we tried to we tried to set this up to where it would work uh, in person when when you were uh, home for seven days or something like that. Five days you were you were back in North Dakota. Well, I mean, I was home for like twenty days total, technically, but I took uh, seven days and went out to Montana, so we really can't count those too much. So watching you on uh, on the old Snapchat, uh, you had kind of been. I mean, you you. Another reason we couldn't get you on in person is because you were too busy killing shit. Pretty much, pretty pretty much. <laughs> I was hunting almost every day that I could. So we're pretty much just going to get an update from you from the last time that you were on, and since it's the fall and we're in the heart of hunting season, do you? want to touch on how the fishing was or has been since we last talked about fishing or do you, do you just want to scrap the fishing I mean, and get right into hunting yeah we can go straight into hunting i haven't really done a whole lot of fishing here lately so let's just jump straight into the hunting i was gonna say been gone for 20 days at least so <laughs> well, i mean yeah i've kind of been traveling around lately so i haven't had the opportunity to get out fishing so yeah. yeah well let's hear it so you you came back to north dakota and did you go straight out west hunting or what, what do y'all do start us at the yeah. at the beginning yeah so pretty much what happened was i flew back um right into fargo there um went back down to the house for i think it was like 12 hours pretty much and my dad comes home from work the plan was to leave the next day uh he came home from work and he's like hey man uh I know I'm pretty excited about this, and I know you're really excited about this. Uh, you just want to hit the road? And I was like, yeah, let's roll. So it was like the day that I flew in. We drove all the way out to western Montana. And what are you going for? We were going for a bull elk and a buck, uh, either muley or whitetail buck. You, you were with quite a, quite a clan, I'm, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, so the kind of guys that they invited us out there, it was one of my dad's best friends from high school, hasn't touched with them in like 30 years or something, and with him shooting it out last year, you know, was talking to him about it, he's like, well, why don't you come out to Montana, and it was me, my dad, Jim, and a few of his uh, relatives and stuff like that, like three other guys, and it was kind of funny because I was, you know, the youngest guy out of the group by like 30 years, so I mean... <laughs> You know, just being the young buck around a bunch of old guys, it was kind of fun. Yeah, I'm sure everyone was ready for bed, and you're sitting there drinking bush lights, just being a degenerate. Dude, you'd be surprised. It was honestly the opposite. 
of what you think. They wanted to stay up all night partying and drinking, and I'm like, man, I am tired and ready for bed. <laughs> you know. So what was the what was the layout of that hunt? Is this uh, you're gonna you're gonna go with an outfitter? You're gonna get brought in on horseback? You're gonna hike in? You're gonna stay at camp with, where the trucks are, and then you're gonna go from there? Or what? What kind of okay, uh, what's the layout? Yeah, so here's kind of the layout was our it was an everyday kind of hike in hike out. Um, we were staying at this guy Jim. We were staying at his house in a camper and everything. Uh, he actually was fortunate enough to give us a place to stay and stuff, and that we didn't have to stay up on top of the mountaintop, even though I think that would have been pretty cool. Um, so yeah, every day it kind of was, we would drive um, drive up to either the scouting position that we would have to overlook the valley, or if we saw something like the night before and knew some elk were going to be in the area, we would go up to whatever mountaintop it was that we saw them at, and we would start our hike and hunt. So now, is this tag? Is this a? Is this a? You had to draw this tag. Is this an over-the-counter tag? We're not going to drop what yeah. unit it, it was yeah, specifically, yeah. but yeah. So kind of how Montana does it. It's really weird, and this is my understanding of it. So when you apply for an out-of-state tag through Montana um, for your general elk tag, you'll apply for your general elk, and sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Well, with that general elk, you can really go anywhere and shoot a cow or a bull right well how north dakota has units for deer and stuff like that they also have units for their big game so with that being said where we were actually hunting uh you had to draw an additional permit to hunt a bull uh a bull elk right so that's that was the tag that was drawn it was a bull elk tag uh, or a bull elk permit with your general elk license. So you have to get you have to get both of them. Yeah, you have to get both of them. It's really how it works is it's really weird. And if anybody's out there trying to go to Montana, I definitely recommend going with somebody that knows knows the rules and regulations. Because a first time guy going out there, I was completely lost. You know, with like, I was like, oh, so it means we can kind of shoot whatever. And they were like, no, that's not the case because you drew this permit. You can only hunt this in this area. But if you go to a different area, you can hunt that. It all, it's all broken up. Like, imagine all the units in North Dakota, like the deer hunting units, have different rules and regulations for what you can hunt. So you, you drew your permit. So no matter what, you were, we're going to be able to shoot something somewhere, right? Correct, correct. It just depended on what unit you pulled basically their tag as to what laws went you had to, you had to follow? Correct. Okay. It, well, yeah, for what you can shoot pretty much, whether right. it's a bull or, an, or a cow. So I guess that, that that's like similar to, well, and I'm, I might get some, some backlash from this one, but it sounds kind of similar to how Minnesota has the rifle, rifle and shotgun season or you know the the regulations that they have for that as far as you know in in certain certain areas you can take a buck or a doe certain areas you can only take a buck and certain areas you can only take a doe and it's all unit specific but your tag is good for wherever you want to go yeah it's like yeah rifle slug and some some units you have like three does or something like crazy Correct. A lot, yeah, lot, lot, very, lot of different than North Dakota. Very similar to that. 
and I, I don't know a ton about how Minnesota has their stuff structured. I don't personally hunt Minnesota yet. Yeah, I know it's. I know like you were saying here, it's a lot different. Even their bow, North Dakota, a bow tag over the counter statewide. Minnesota is the same. It's like a bow tag per unit. It's like you can't just get bow tag and hunt anywhere in Minnesota. It has to be whatever unit you applied for a bow tag. Interesting. Because I was looking looking that up because I was thinking of getting a Minnesota bow tag this year, but. All right, so now you're 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 going out to your glassing spot and you're picking where you're going. How many days are you? You're in Montana for seven days, right? Correct. Yeah, we're out there for seven days total. So are we on day one? You're gonna just take us through yeah, the whole so, thing. So this is day one. We're pretty much we showed up, you know, figured out where we were staying. Um, it was a day before opener. It was a Friday. Yeah, day before opener because it's opener Saturday. Went up there, went to the top of the glassing spot. It was just kind of overlooking the valley, getting the lay of the land. And, man, you know, I mean, it was just breathtaking, especially a guy from coming from Wapton, North Dakota, where, Flat you know, we know, not, we know nothing but cornfields and sugar beets, you know. Hey, man, there's some, <laughs> some beans and wheat around there, too. Don't disrespect them. <laughs> yeah, but the corn's tall. Yeah. You can't see it, you know. <laughs> so uh, one just quick quick question. What, what, uh, what, what are you using for a rifle? Uh, actually using a three thirty eight Lapua. Okay. Yep. And do Most you have a do you have a tag or is it just like the three hundred windbag? But yeah, do, do you have a tag as well or is it just your dad? It was just my dad hunting. I was just a pack mule along. <laughs> gotcha. All right. We'll quit interrupting you now. We'll let you take it and we'll butt in if we have <laughs> if we have any questions. <laughs> but uh. So go go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. Go okay. So start at day one. You're saying. Yeah, dude. We we we've been uh, bad yeah. at interrupting you so far. So day one, day one, yeah, up at the glassing spot, kind of overlooking everything. Uh, we actually didn't see a single thing. All we were up, probably glassing for five hours or something like that. Didn't even see a single elk, and we were like, "Wow, this is, you know, this is gonna be an interesting trip." Because I was thinking. You know, we're going to show up and see a million elk. You know, it's kind of the way the guy was making it sound. And then as he was talking with us, it really depends on the weather out there to push uh, the elk off the top of the mountains and stuff like that to get them down into the valley where we were able to hunt them and stuff. So, yeah, kind of just went in, um, called it a night, and went back to the, where we were staying. And, yeah, that was day one. Getting a getting a sports center update there. The music, the sound just played on the. <laughs> yeah, you're not interrupting. You got your phone interrupting him now. Yeah. So day one was preseason. You didn't you didn't even have a. That right, you were there before the season had started. Correct. Yeah, it was the day before the season opened up. All right. So after coming up with a game plan, what's your uh, what's your plan for for day two opening day? Um, what what did you guys end up doing? So day two opening day, kind of the game plan. So as most North Dakota people are used to hunting is we'll go and see something and it's just like, yeah, let's go and walk those trees or go walk that rock pile and stuff like that. Well, I was quickly shut down with that idea um, because of how big the land is out there, uh, especially with a lot of older guys. So I was like, you know what, like, why don't we just – you know, drive up to the top of this mountain and go work 
this patch of trees and come on down and see if we can push something out of there. Because this, this type of hunting where it's like doing the whole spot and stock uh, with the spotting scopes and everything was completely out of my view. Like, that's how I'm used to doing it is being the dog, you know, is running up, checking brush piles and stuff like that for bucks. Um, but, yeah, this was a whole different gameplay. So, day two, pretty much, we woke up and was like, okay, let's take time. Let's see if we can glass anything. Uh in the morning so we got up nice and early got up to the glassing spot before sun sunrise went out did some glassing i actually saw some elk it was a lot of it was a bunch of cows and a few what we call uh spikes it was spikes of raghorns um and so we were seeing a few of those we're like okay you know there's elk definitely in the area where they were we weren't able to hunt because it was on private land so this Um, i'm I'm not I'm not familiar with with elk hunting. I've never done it. Wixo is the only one that's actually ever done it in our group. Uh, th- this yeah. time of year, are they are they still herded up, quote unquote? Like you're looking for a herd bull, or are they kind of well, starting the, to spread the, out? The elk, yeah. So we were looking for herds, like some of the smaller herds and stuff like that. Because, like I said, I mean, this was the end of October, and as you guys know, I mean, it was really warm towards the end of October. So the elk herds haven't actually fully formed into sometimes like if you go out West in like the wintertime, you'll see herds of like hundreds and hundreds of elk, um, out there. But this time of year and throughout the summer and springtime, it sounds like from pretty much what I've gathered is that they'll break up into their smaller herds of anywhere from 10 to up to 50 elk into a herd. Um, so yeah, So were you finding them pretty grouped up then, or were you not? I mean, not in those hundreds at all. It was just the groups of like 50, you know, 10 to 50 usually is what we were seeing. So, yeah, kind of going into day two, we were like, okay, uh, let's go ahead and try this. Let's see. We know where they went up and bedded up. Let's go see if we can find them um, and get down to where they are. So the one guy that was, you know, kind of facilitating this entire hunt. We almost called pretty much. It was like a guided hunt. This guy's been living there for 30 years, hunting elk, you know, not a professional guide, obviously, but definitely a local that knew what he was doing. Um, took us to the top of this mountain. It was me and my dad and the rest of them were like, eh, we're going to stay here. You know, like you guys are pretty eager to get out and hunt, um, because you haven't done this yet. We're going to go ahead and let you guys do this. Right. And so the entire ride up this mountain, this guy that's driving us, Jim, he's sitting there laughing at us going, are you sure you guys want to do this? You know, and me and my dad are eager to hunt, get out there. We're like, yeah, man, like, let's get out there. Let's go find these elk. Like, the only way to go and get one is to get out there and do it, you know. So he drops us off at about, I think it was like 1,500 feet from the peak of this mountain, and the peak was right about 8,000 feet. So I think we were sitting at like 6,500 at the time. He drops us off and goes, all right, guys, uh, I'm not going to sit here and wait around for you guys because it's going to take you a while to get up and over the top because we actually had to go up and over the top at about 1,000 feet down to get to this tree patch where we thought these elk were. And he's like, hey, man, like I'm not going to wait around for you guys. It's going to take you guys a while. Take your time. Uh, take plenty of breaks and we're going to go up and keep class and see what we can see. Um, but you guys go ahead and have your fun and then call me when you need a ride back. 
so is there any is is there any communication with this guy other than calling to get him like you you do have a way to get a hold of him if something were to happen or you guys just on your own uh i mean yeah we have pretty good cell phone service out there so like it wasn't really a big a big issue when you get to the tops of the mountains like you have plenty of service when you're in the valley it gets definitely a little spotty you know, but where we were, it was like we knew we were good. We didn't have to worry about anything like having radios or whatever. Um, so, yeah, just using our cell phones. Gotcha. Yeah. So why was the guy like, so are you sure you want to do this? Like he, he just didn't have much faith in the plan or what was kind of going on there? Well, I'm, I was going to get into that part here real shortly. So this guy, like I said, has been doing this for about 30 years. And for, I think, where we're sitting at in Wapton, elevation's right at, I think, 1,000 to 2,000 feet. And we were up at 6,500 at the time. Yeah. So he he was laughing about it because, you know, he knows how grueling what we were about to do actually turned into. um, How grueling and it's absolutely terrible. Uh, You can't, he, you know, was like, yeah, it's an all right game plan, you know, like it is what it is. But I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to get an easy help, you know, an easy elk this year. Like, I'm kind of just here for you guys. You know, with him living there, he can kind of do this every day versus us taking the trip out there. That's kind of why he was pretty hesitant, you know. He knew he just that, wanted to, like. He knew you guys yeah, were just he, a bunch of flatlanders. He's like, you should, you should, all right, have fun. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty much. He knew. He knew. So, yeah, so he drops us off, and he's laughing at us. And he's like, God, you know, you guys are just – you guys don't understand how this stuff works yet, but you will, you know, because both me and my dad are like, no, you know, we'll just go push this brush, right? And go see if we can kick out an elk. So we get out, and I think it took us, it took us like two hours to get to the peak. So two hours to climb 1,500 feet. Uh, what we were climbing was it was kind of dense forest slash like open almost, and then because we actually got above the tree line at one point. So it was like dense forest up till we got past the tree line, and it was almost straight up and down. Like, it was bad. Even for a young young guy, like, it was pretty tough. And, like, I wasn't even carrying a gun. Like, I was just carrying a pack with a bunch of stuff in it, you know, a bunch of food, water, drinks, and stuff. Dude, you know it's you know it's, uh, it's bad if a, if a sergeant in the Marines yeah. is telling you, like, yeah, it's not uh, not easy. Dude, <laughs> yeah, it was it was not easy at all. So we finally, me and my dad get to the top, and we're like, all right, let's, you know, like, as you're going up these mountaintops and stuff like that, up and down and making these hikes, um, you definitely want to take your time, take it slow, you know, take plenty of breaks. Because, like, for me, I'm coming from ocean level, and now I'm up at 6,500 feet, like, Taking pulls like that, I you know, I start running out of breath and it gets you know, it's hard. So we Yeah, I get that when I go up a flight of and steps. And we're like what were you saying? I said I get the hell when I go up a flight of steps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so, so yeah, so we get to the peak and we're like, all right, you know, like let's start walking down. You know. So we start walking down, we see another group of hunters that were out there, and we stopped, talked to them, and they said, yeah, we were class, and we saw those elk. They should be down in the bottoms there somewhere. Um, we're going to get out of here, though. You they're, know, and I was like, all right, cool. They're, they're so thinking, at least I'm not down going down there. there. Um, at this time, I think it was, you know, we got down. It, we probably went down another 500 feet. We're just kind of sitting there taking a break. 
you know, getting some food in us. Um, and I looked at my dad and I was like, looked at my watch real fast. I was like, oh, geez, like, it's already four o'clock, you know, and it took us two and a half hours to get here. Two and a half, almost three hours to get where we are right now. And I was like, man, it's going to take us an hour or two to, just to get down there. So there's five o'clock. I was like, if we shoot an elk down there, the only way to get that sucker out is going all the way up and over the top of this. I was like, at four o'clock, it's dark at around six thirty-seven. I was like, are you sure you want to do this, man? You know? And he's like, well, you know, and we're both out of breath. We're both tired already. He's like, well, you know, it probably isn't the smartest idea. And I go, yeah, we shoot one. We're camping out on the side of this mountain, you know, <laughs> trying to trying to keep the wolves and the coyotes away from us. I was going to say, if, and, you, if you do end up getting one, then the, at night like that, <clears throat> you you almost can't just leave it and go back to it because the odds of a wolf or a coyote or something eating it, getting to it before you get back to yeah. it are, are probably pretty high. Yeah. During yeah, this time, yes. uh, what's the temperature outside? Like, is it cold, hot? I mean, if you no, were I mean, to stay, it, would it you was, be fire? It was or? like 70 degrees okay. when we were out there. Oh, even so worse. You have like, elevation and heat. Yeah, so there was no, there was no way we were going to be able to leave that elk out there or anything. Um, and we were just like, well, you know, why don't we just take, you know, take this one as an L not go down to this because like we, we were sitting there with the spotting scope and it's like you would look at a tree and you're like man like that's 200 yards away you hit it with the spotting scope and it's 400 yards what i learned out there is everything that i think like range wise you just have to double it because yeah. it's everything's so big it's so big yeah your depth there. perception is just completely thrown off oh yeah my it was completely thrown off the entire trip like I couldn't get my ranges down or anything. Um, so yeah, we were just like, you know what, we're going to take this one as an L and just go back and over the top. And I think by the time we got over the top, it was about six o'clock by the time Jim ended up actually picking us up and he goes, yeah, how was that pull guys real smart? And we were like, hell no. And he goes, <laughs> and that's, right, can you guys listen to me now? <laughs> that, that's when you realize why those other guys said, yeah, we're getting out of here. We're not going after them. <laughs> yeah, this guy, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty determined, you know. I mean, a guy driving a 1,000 miles to get out to this hunting area, spending all this money on a tag. I mean, my dad it was real determined to get out there and try to shoot something. So Is this his I was first, right there with him. Was this his first ever elk tag? No, so last year he actually pulled a cow tag out of North Dakota and was successful on it. And he had a real it, – it was probably the best but worst hunt of his life last year. So does that count as his once-in-a-lifetime? Yeah, last year it was his once-in-a-lifetime because he showed up for the hunt and within five minutes he shot an elk. In North Dakota, so that's his one elk tag out of North Dakota. That's so nice. he never really got to experience like the full-on hunt aspect of it. Did, since we um, just touched on that, do you, do you want to just give the quick rundown of how that one went? Our listeners are probably waiting to hear about an elk that's actually uh, been the North killed. Dakota, North Dakota one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the North Dakota one, he pulled a once in a lifetime. You know, pulled the once in a lifetime elk tag. It was an actual cow, and he was hunting with one of my cousins who. He does all sorts of big game hunting out in western North Dakota, so he knows where the deer are and where the elk are. He's like, hey, man, like I'll take you along. So him and my dad actually went out towards Medora and were hunting 
very close to the Theodore National or Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Um, and they literally showed up and were like, "Okay, like let's just pull over here, um, and we're gonna walk in and get to our glassing spot." And so as soon as they pulled up to their glassing spot, 200 yards in front of them, a herd of elk stood up. And my dad just, you know, Austin looks at my dad and he's like, hey, man, like, if you want one, go ahead and shoot one. So he picked out the biggest cow that he could and shot it right there. So I'm talking, he literally showed up for the hunt, shot an elk, and that was that. He didn't even miss a supper. (laughs) No, no, didn't even. I mean, it was the quickest hunt of his entire life, he was telling me, so... That's cool. Like Wild. I said, the, the listeners probably wanted to hear about an elk that uh, something that went somebody that actually killed one because we've. This is the second elk story that we've had, and uh, <clears throat> we have a third one that's coming up here soon too. And and uh, well, we haven't finished your story yet because I remember you and I were talking about it, and I told you that I didn't want any details until we were on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now are we on day, th- day th- this is going to be day three. So you got off the day mountain. Th- yeah, yeah. So got off the mountain day three. Um, kind of just went about our job where we were like, all right. So kind of the rule is, is that nighttime we go up, we glass um, and see where we can find elk and then look for the area. And we're like, cool, let's go check that out. So day three, um, we're actually stuck there glassing and we're like, cool, um, Let's go, you know, let's see if we can find something. So we're sitting up there, and all of a sudden, some local guy comes up, and he's talking with Jim, the guy we were staying with, who's, you know, also local. They were sitting there talking, da-da-da-da-da-da, and where we were actually glassing, we heard some shots going off. And he goes, oh, that must be my, you know, that must be my daughter shooting at an elk right now. Well, he gets a phone call, and he's like, from his daughter, and she's like, yeah, I got an elk down you know, there's a whole herd over here. There's a couple bulls, a couple cows. Um, go ahead and tell your guys. And so he's like, hey, tomorrow morning, you guys should head on over here. And, I mean, it was only a mile away from where we were sitting there with the spotting scopes. And he's like, hey, you should go over here. This is where they're coming over. You know, I bet they're sitting over in this valley. So we are like, cool. That's the game plan. So we ended day two. Day three, we woke up. Um, actually got to the area where we knew there was going to be some elk at. We got there. Um, there was some other hunters there already. And we are like, you know what? It is what it is. Everybody's out here elk hunting. And nobody really cares. It seemed like out in Montana, if you guys were, like, hunting close to each other, nobody really minded, you know, because it was, you were hunting herds. So it was like, okay there's multiple elk for people to shoot, whether they have cow or bull tags, like nobody really minded if you were hunting by them. So we got to this area um, and we were just sitting there looking to see if we were seeing any elk. And all of a sudden over the top of the mount, over the top of this ridge, uh, these elk come running over the top and we're like, cool. All right, let's see if we can spot a bull. And so we're sitting there, we're looking through binoculars, through the scopes and stuff like that. And it was like cow, 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 spike, cow, cow, spike, cow, <laughs> shit. Yeah, no bull. No, unfortunately, we didn't even see a bull out of that herd. We were told that there was two or three bulls left in there, but they probably got mixed up of a, 
it was actually just spikes, you know. They were within shooting range. They were about 500 yards away from us. So it was like, yeah, a guy could take a shot at one of those. And it's like, you know, it sucked. It kind of sucks you in a bunch of elk where it's like, okay, we have that, you know, opportunity to go there and see them. And we're like, okay, this sucks. Um, it's a lot harder to get a bowl than what I thought it was going to be seeing elk already, you know. So I kind of, you know, pretty much wrapped up day three where we – Wrapped up that hunt, got out of there, uh, went and had lunch, and then that night I think we went up spotting again. Who has who have the who has the buck tag during this trip? My dad as well. He also had a buck tag as well. With rifle or bow? Rifle. Oh, yeah. nice, perfect. He, he had his he had his rifle for a deer buck and then a bull cow in that unit and everybody that we were hunting with also had bulls except one guy who he kind of went off and did his own thing every day he had a cow tag um and yeah he just kind of we put him in an area that we knew elk were going to go by but you know there was going to be some random cows you know these cows that we were watching earlier the other day we just put him there so if he had a shot he was able to get one you know. So in in your dad's tag is a is a bull or a cow? No, it was a he had a bull permit. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Unit. Sure. Okay. So but his tag, you were talking about that earlier. He could go somewhere else and shoot a cow if he wanted to, but where he was at or where you guys were, he had to shoot a bull. A bull. Correct. Yeah. And a bull constitutes that it has to have a fork on the top and a, a four-inch brown tine on the bottom that is a shootable bowl gotcha so now we're going into day four or five yeah it should be day four day four um we took off i'm trying to think here yeah day four we kind of took off um went to a very different area it was kind of way off the beaten path um from where we were originally at we were just like all right let's go out here let's see if there's any elk um see if there's any bad attraction so we went way out probably an hour away from where we were originally hunt the area we were hunting we were like okay um let's go see if we can find something out here so we got off went on this random logging trail going up the mountain went to the top um on our way up there the area that we wanted to go to the road had actually eroded away. So we weren't able to get all the way to the top. We were like, all right, screw it. Let's go back down, you know, and go over this other ridge and see what we can see. So on our way down, uh, we actually saw a bunch of fresh tracks coming across the road because it was a freshly graded road. Um, and we were like, cool. You know, maybe there's some elk down at the bottom. So we kind of stopped, pulled over, and we're looking through the trees, seeing if we can see anything moving around. Um, didn't end up seeing any, so we're like, all right, screw it. Let's go over to the other ridge. Went across to the other ridge and went talking to these guys, and it was the area kind of where we're at was towards the top of the mountain, but it was a burn area, like a wildfire went through, you can tell. And there's these guys camping up there. And we sat there and talked with them for a little bit and discovered that there was absolutely no elk in the area because they were like, yeah, we've been here for two weeks scouting out. I had an arch- the one dude had an archery tag and I had 
had been able to shoot one and the other guy that he was with had a gun and he's like, yeah, we haven't even seen one. Um, the only thing that we've heard is that somebody shot one three miles in, you know, we're like, well, screw that, you know? Yeah. That's, that's wild. That's, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. I can't even so imagine we were like, do we hunt like that not yeah. not having anything that's like not even seeing one to like get you like kind of motivated again just dragon okay yeah, so pretty, you left that spot then I take it it was a real big drag is what it was yeah so I'm, I'm assuming you left that spot then yeah so we ended up leaving that spot kind of went down to a different uh, spotting scope area same valley that we intended hunting um end up seeing watching this herd again um seeing if they would come onto the public land and they unfortunately didn't we we're like all right whatever they're, i don't think there's any bulls in there anyways it's all just cows and spikes and so yeah that wrapped up day four day five i mean it was kind of similar um in the t- sense of that it was a drag but it got real interesting you know, it was probably, it was more to what I was used to because we were going out and actually pushing something. We were just like, we knew about this, Jim knew about this area, and he's like, man, if there's elk in the area, they're going to be up here. It's so a day five. We kind of took off um, and went up to the top of this mountain, and it was called this Guidey Rise, what they called it. Um, and it was like a seven, six or seven mile hike that we actually had to do. Because you would drop a pickup on one side of the mountain and then drive up the other. And so, yeah, we drove up the one side, walked all the way up. And it was it was actually a really easy walk. This one was super easy. Uh, we had one guy with us. He was in his 60s. And, I mean, he was able to do it with pretty much ease. You know, he definitely felt it the next day. But he was able to do it. So, if that tells you anything, this was a lot easier than what we decided to do on day two. Um. But yeah, we kind of went up and was able to overlook on top of this mountain pretty much the whole valley that we were hunting. And it was, I have a picture of it and everything. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh, that that like overlook made everything worth it. You know, kind of ordeal. I believe it. I can't even, yeah. honestly, I can't even really begin to imagine it because I just never see it. The, the farthest I've ever been was I got a different vehicle and I went to barely into Montana. And I'm like, this is just crazy different driving like Western North Dakota into Montana. I'm like, this is crazy where I'm like, I used to flat, like you just farm flat, everything's square. You see for miles. I'm yeah. Like, why would people, yeah, I, I mean, that was funny. I was giving Mike a hard time. I'm like, why would they, why'd they put that pile of dirt there? That just doesn't make any sense. Fill it in. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. definitely a different, uh, different aspect when you're out there. Just not even, not even hunting, just, just in a, in a scenery aspect, how, how drastically it changes once you you know hit that Williston area out there, and then uh, Dickinson anywhere, yeah. anywhere in that area, it's just it's a different world than what it is, you know, on the eastern side of the state. Yeah, I can only imagine being that high up in the mountains and the elevation, what it looked like. Yeah, so I mean that that view is kind of beautiful. So it was like right be, I think it was like I don't know, like two hundred feet before the peak. So yeah, I kind of got to take that and like sit back, reflect of like, okay, this this trip isn't all about hunting. It's you know getting away, being with some good family and friends, um, 
I was going to say and that. Yeah, and just doing it. Enjoy nature. Being there with you your know? old man. Being there with your old man's got to be, you know, even you're, you're not hunting, but just, like I said, being there with your old man and being able to experience that, you, you, can't, you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that, that made it kind of all worth it, where it's just like, just take that step back and realizing, like, this is awesome, you know? Um, so we actually got to the peak and everything we were like all right let's split off we're gonna go down these different ridges different ridges so it was like me and my dad split off went down one ridge and then mike and darren the guys we were hunting with went down another ridge and what i was kind of being told this entire time because i kept asking more and more questions because i wanted to learn about this whole elk hunting thing is if you hear an elk going through the trees and the brush and stuff like that it's gonna sound like a freight train I was like, okay. They were like, you really can't miss it at all. Um, I was like, all right, cool. So we started like walking down this brush, and all of a sudden, I'm like hearing something in the trees, and I'm like, wow, like that's a lot of noise, you know? Like there's some brush breaking and stuff like that. I was like, cool, you know. I kind of had this oh shit moment, you know, where I was like, oh, that's an elk, you know, <laughs> Bust, busting in the trees in front of us. I was like, oh god. You know, and so I look over at my dad, and I'm like, hey, man, like, I think there's one up here. You know, like, we need to be ready to shoot something. So we kind of zigged around and got down to where we thought they were. And unfortunately, it wasn't anything. And even if it was, there, you could only see about 20 yards through the trees because we were in some pretty dense forest at the time. And it was just kind of hoping to get one out in the open. Um, so, yeah, we kind of finished the hike and didn't end up seeing anything but yeah that that hike actually made it all worth it where it's just it was just beautiful you know seeing the state of montana so how many if you were to guess i mean maybe you know maybe you were using an like onyx or something where you were tracking but if you were to yeah. if you were to just put an average on how many miles every day <clears throat> you guys put on uh what what would you say your your average was I mean, driving driving miles, we were probably putting on 50 to 100 driving miles every day. Um, and then walking miles, uh, I would say anywhere between 5 and 20 miles a day. We're out there walking some of these trails and stuff. Yeah, I'd have to get into shape before I would yeah. do something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, I, I have, was I have a long ways to go. On that aspect. So now we're going into day six. Yeah, day six. So day six, we we're like, all right, um, we're gonna go off, and we went to another completely different area. Um, we went off and went up to the top of this ridge and stuff like that because we. I think it was on like day day three or something. We did see a few elk over there, but it wasn't anything crazy. So we're like, all right, let's go up to the top of this ridge, you know, see if we see anything. So went up there, um, started walking around and stuff like that, sitting, stopping, sitting with the glass. And the herd had actually moved on us. Um, we saw them at the bottom of the ridge, and we were like, cool, they're going to come up. You know, maybe we can see a bull and pick one out. It was kind of funny. We were sitting there watching them, and they were probably about a mile or two away in the spotting scope. And we're like, cool, they're going to come up here. And as they start coming up, 
a dude went across the logging trail in front of them down at the bottom of the mountain. And they actually turned around and went complete opposite way from us. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, kind of a, you know, Wait, kick the, the rear end. The people did or the, the elk did? The elk did. The elk went the complete opposite direction <laughs> than what we thought they were going to do. Because, you know, they come off the top of the mountains at nighttime and they'll feed and drink the water at the bottoms and then they'll head all the way back up. And when that truck crossed in front of him, you know, trying to see, because it was another elk hunter, he was trying to see if there was something there. Um, he crossed right in front of him and actually took off. Um, this, you know, he must have not saw anything or the elk got scared and they beelined it the other direction and went to a complete different mountain than what we were at. So you, did you ever... <laughs> that's tough man you like you get to a you get to a point where you you know you come up with a game plan on them and then yeah and then you know you're you you, you try and execute your plan and they do the opposite thing of much. of what uh so what 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 was your what was your plan then what what did you guys what was your game plan before they did the opposite game, game plan was we were gonna go to the top of the mountain before daylight um, and catch them coming up the top of the mountains, hitting in the clearings and stuff like that. Because from what I gathered, that's what you do is you'll spot them, figure out what ridge or what mountain lines that they're sitting on because um, they bed all the way at the top. So you'll go in the morning, go to the tops, waiting for them to come back up after they got their food and water at nighttime. And, yeah, you'll go up to the top and kind of wait for them up there. And, yeah, obviously did not go as planned whatsoever. <laughs> Hey, it's still cool though, like to to you know come up with a game plan and put the plan in play and and be able to yeah. have a chance to to execute it. You know. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I drew from elk hunting out there was it's a lot of planning and you have to definitely put your time in behind the spotting scope because do not go into an area that you don't know if there's elk in there because you'll just burn yourself out. Uh, kind of like what we did on day two is we burned ourselves out real fast doing it. They tried telling you um, not to do that. Yeah, yeah, they did try telling us. <laughs> you know, we we were too stubborn and trying to listen. So yeah, rolling into day seven, um, we were unsuccessful in that aspect, um, and my dad actually had to get back for work. And we were almost debating on staying a few more days. But him being such a guy that he is, he's big into commitments, and he said he was going to be back to work the next day. So day seven, it actually, the weather turned on us for the better, but the worse at the same time. Uh, better for elk hunting because it was a blizzard. And so we're like, cool, the elk are going to push up the mountaintops um, and start migrating into this valley. Um, terrible on the other aspect was we got to go back to North Dakota today. <laughs> so, that, so that I was going to ask you on, on day seven. Um, yeah. Was, was that you, so you obviously had to leave early. You weren't able to hunt the entire day of yeah. day seven. Yeah. So day seven, we kind of called it quits where we were like, well, we got to get on the road. Um, there's already a foot and a half of snow on the ground here from overnight. 
and we have a 15-hour drive ahead of us. Well, it definitely wasn't a 50-hour drive. It turned into 22 hours all the way back to Wapton. Ouch. Just just <laughs> yeah. the bad weather? Yeah, bad weather. I mean, it was blizzarding and ice, black ice this, the this entire wasn't, way. This didn't happen to be the last weekend in October, was it? It was the last. I think it was... Yeah, it was that last weekend of October, so that's it was funny. the same sto- storm that actually hit North Dakota. Yeah, because that was the but same we weekend. we were going back earlier in the week. That was the same weekend that me and Wixo went out west, and we talked about that in a, in a previous episode about how it took us, you know, what normally takes three hours. It ended up taking us like eight and a half hours to get there just because of how shitty the roads were and stuff. That's funny. It's probably the same blizzard that you guys had to drive through. Drive, everyone's driving yep. through it. Yeah, same blizzard. Oh, it was terrible, but so now you're, definitely made out for the bird hunting the next week. I was going to say, now you're back home, and now you're now that that was only half of the adventures that you got to go on. So now you gotta you gotta take us through your uh, your aggression that you took out on all those poor ducks and geese. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, as I tell everybody, you know, one time as a little kid. Uh, I was at the zoo, actually, in Wapton, and I was just trying to give a goose a handful of food, and that son of a gun bit me, and I've had a vengeance against him ever since. <laughs> from, uh, from approximately 55 mallards, 20 Canadians, Canadians, yeah. one speckle. Yeah, pretty from- <laughs> much. So, yeah, kind of the waterfall adventures I kicked off that next week. I mean, it was every waterfall's dream, pretty much what I experienced while I was back. Uh, these past couple of years, I've been coming back for this specific week. I come back is it's right when the migration kicks off coming down from Canada. So I usually plan around that and figure out when the snow is coming in, you know, right. I usually have it down plan to where I know for a fact, because it's happened the last four years is the last week in October, it's going to snow. And that next week, the birds are going to be moving down. Um, and so that, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, I think we got back from Montana on Wednesday morning or no, it was Thursday morning. And I took a break. Um, and was actually able to, uh, kind of sleep, recover a little bit and then headed out scouting that Thursday night. Um, figured out some buddies from Minneapolis were in the area and they were like, hey, man, let's get together and hunt tomorrow morning. And I was like, cool, I got a group of guys that I can go out with. Because most of my normal group that I go out hunting with, they all had to work, you know, that Friday. And so they weren't able to hunt. And I was like, man, I don't want to go out and do this by myself, you know. And so it was awesome that I was able to get together with those guys and get out for a hunt. And so we were able to find an awesome feet, awesome mallard feet up towards Alice, North Dakota. And Friday morning, I mean, we put the absolute beat down on them. It, it was so funny um, because Friday morning, I had a buddy from, he's actually from Maine. I'm in the Marine Corps with him, stationed here in North Carolina with him. And he flew down to come figure out what the waterfalling in North Dakota was all about. And he was like, wow, you know, he was on his plane ride in. And that Friday morning was, I mean, we got out there. At, I think it was like six o'clock or yeah, six o'clock shooting light was at seven. So got all decoys set up and everything. And right at sunlight, it was funny because the roost was about 
a mile or mile or so to our north. And right at shooting light, we had a two-pack of mallards come in and dusted those. We were like, cool, this hunt's going to be awesome. Uh, next thing we know, over at the roost, we hear a couple shots go off. And we're looking up, and a group of about 400 mallards come over the top of us. And we're like, oh, God, these guys just busted the roost. You know, this hunt's either going to, you know, this hunt's pretty much shot and over with at this point. It's, it's either going to go really, really good or really, really bad. Yeah, well, thank God it turned really good. Um, so, yeah, we were, like, all discouraged and stuff, and all of a sudden we're laying down in the blinds, you know, debating on what to do. You know, whether to pack up our stuff and get out of there and go and scout something for the next day or just sit it out. And we're like, well, we're out here, you know, and I look up and I see a pack of about 50 mallards um, already cupped up coming into the hole. And it was like, okay, this is going to be an awesome hunt. So we were able to, you know, take a couple shots at those and then tell from pretty much when that flock flew over the top of us till I had to leave at 11 o'clock, we had flocks of, I think it was about anywhere from like 10 to 50 mallards just coming in, doing it perfect in the snow. Uh, we were in a cut cornfield, and, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better hunt. We had a six-man limit at the end of the day of pretty much green heads, uh, only had a couple Susies, uh, you know, and, yeah, it was awesome. So did you only get the waterfowl hunt the the one day? No, I was actually able to hunt waterfowl hunts. I think I did a total of five days total waterfowl hunting. Did they all turn out the way that that first day did? Uh, yeah, pretty much for the most part. <laughs> that's that's um, wild. We had a few that were a bust, um, and then turned around in the afternoon, and we were able to you know get get a decent amount of birds. But all in all, all throughout the week, I mean, every day it was successful hunts where we were shooting four or five man limits of either ducks. And then, um, unfortunately, the geese didn't work out as well as we thought they were going to, but they never really do because they're geese. Um, But, yeah. So Jake and I don't really waterfowl hunt. I haven't waterfowled since high school. I don't. I think I've only been out one time, and the one time I went out, we shot more pheasants than we did uh, waterfowl. So, yeah. I'll tell you how that went. Um, so, what what is? Uh, and maybe we have some listeners that are are avid waterfowl hunters, and we probably have some that that don't. What is is that like a morning thing, an evening thing? Can you do both? What what uh, what have you and you, Dylan? You've been doing this for for years. So what? Uh, yeah. What what what's kind of the get, get, for somebody that's that's never waterfowl hunted and they want to get into it? What what is a and gear and all that stuff is a different. We, that's a whole different episode. Um, but what as far oh, yeah. as as far as strategy and technique and and stuff that you've picked up on, maybe this is where we can get our our North Bros tip of the week. So let's start with that. So before we get into uh, your strategy and what what you guys your your crew does, what would be your North Bros tip of the week for waterfowl hunting. Uh, take your time scouting. That's simple, but it's it's. Uh, I can see how how that would uh, <clears throat> just like anything else. I mean, your scouting can can make or break it for you. So there you go. Yeah. North North Bros tip of the week: take your time scouting. 
so now what yeah what what what's your strategy i mean mornings evenings um you know a little bit of gear i mean are you guys doing layout blinds are you doing like the a-frames like what do you kind of take us through your setup and again the gear thing could be a whole episode by itself yeah but your your oh, yeah. setup and then what your strategies are what you look for and then morning or evening okay so kind of the setup i like to run uh we actually run everything out of a trailer we have a trailer and it holds right about i think we were sitting at 18 dozen full bodies um and then it had 20 dozen dive bomb silhouettes and then a couple lucky ducks uh we actually like to hunt layouts and a-frames uh we don't use the quote-unquote a-frames we use the dakota brand uh with being having such a close relationship with dakota decoy uh we like to use their stuff over avians because avians their a-frame sucks um, <laughs> just just laying it out yeah, there, not even being nice about it. I, hey, hey, I gotta I gotta do it. You know, I'm pretty loyal to Dakota because they've been loyal to us, helping us out with some stuff. And I'm actually, one of the guys that I work with helped design that blind. And so, yeah, you know, I'm pretty biased against it, <laughs> or biased with it, I should say. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of the you know gear that we have disposable to us um the strategy every day usually you go out at evening you can go out during the mornings or evenings uh for your scouting purposes you know normally i would go out in the evenings figure out where the birds are roosting at and where they're feeding at i like to know both it makes it a lot better to plan on the next day of where to actually set up or you know where where you're going to set up and actually perform the hunt um, I like to do more field hunting because I've grown out of the going through the marsh, getting cold and wet every, in the mornings. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to be a little bit more comfortable in the fields. Granted, there's it seems like there's a little bit more work. You know, they both have their pros and cons to them. But, yeah, so you, at evenings I would go out, I would scout, take my time, uh, figure out where they're roosting at, figure out where they're feeding at, and, the next morning, we would actually execute where the feed is, and yeah, that's kind of kind of how it goes. Is usually you hunt the mornings, um, ducks you are able to hunt in the afternoons and the mornings. Geese, per North Dakota law, you're only able to hunt them on after in the past. I think it's noon on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and then it turns to like Wednesdays, Saturdays, Sundays at a certain date. Hmm. That's new. So yeah, I, usually, I, usually that's, we like to hunt in the mornings. That's news to me. I didn't know that. Yep. So you were you were talking about your your guys's relationship with Dakota. What what is uh, what 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 are you talking about? Yeah. So one of the guys we hunt with his name's Jay. Uh, he's actually Jay um, down in Wapton. There, he does a, a lot of Dakota's design for them so he actually built it was their ex-blind he built a dog blind for them um i think he's working on a few other things for their motion decoys he actually in his shop in the back in his backyard in wapton there he will go through um and go through cat and stuff like that design something and then go okay cool you want to give him you want to give him a, you in, give him a shout out shop, you know you want you want to give him a shout out what's his name uh i I always mess up his last name. I always know him by Jay. Uh, his last name, Shim. I, dude, it messes me up every time. You gotta look it up. 
Yeah, you just, it, it's just Jay. Just Jay. <laughs> Shemuel Fuenig. Yeah, Jay Shemuel Fuenig. Um, he is a uh, college teacher down at NESES. And yeah, that's Jay. He's just the old man that runs with us. <laughs> well, that's cool. Like, he, if he's the one that's yeah. designing this stuff. And yeah, what, so what he is... actually does a lot of the design and fabrication for the initial prototypes for Dakota. What What is the company? Dakota Decoy. Dakota Decoy. Based out of S- South Dakota. Sweet. Well, there's a there's a plug if you're looking for any uh, waterfowl uh, equipment. Check out Dakota Decoy. Yeah, they got some awesome gear. I think that's the first time we've ever given a waterfowl uh, company so. a, a, a shout out on the on the podcast. One of the few times we've talked waterfowl. Yeah, actually, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if this good of in depth. <clears throat> yeah, I was gonna say, Dylan, you might be the first one to uh, give us, uh, like Jake said, an in depth waterfowl. Um, I, I I don't think that any of the guys that we have on here normally, um, with the exception of Charlie Wynn, I know he does a lot of waterfowl yeah. hunting. But uh, other than that, I don't think I know Flash gets out every once in a while. But I think you'll you you'd be towards the top of that list for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm always thrilled to talk about it, <laughs> you know? I, and like you kept saying, it's a whole episode in and of itself. Well, there, we just unlocked a new episode for uh, for next next August. We can have you on for and sure. we, can, we can talk about... Uh, talk about what's coming for for waterfall because like i said i i don't know the first thing about it i know i have a shotgun that i could shoot him with <laughs> <laughs> well you could shoot yeah. at him i don't know if you'd hit him but. probably not probably not <clears throat> so is that is that all your all your hunts or do you have any other any other stories from uh when you were back home here i mean i could get it i could keep going for a couple you know for a whole other hour if you really wanted me to Hey man, uh, we, we got time. Much, what did you say? I said we got time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, actually, our second hunt. I'll get into that one because these these hunts always reminisce with me because it takes you back to like the early days of waterfall hunting. Um, so it was like day two, and it was me um, and some of my buddies from back home, and then my close friend that I'm in the Marine Corps with, trying to introduce him into waterfall hunting. It was really funny. How that next morning, you know, I, I was sitting there shooting shooting birds and stuff like that as he's waiting in the airport, and he was all excited, you know, and super jealous about it, and so he was super stoked, and the next day, it was super funny, um, he flew in, and I think it was a Saturday, yeah, it was Saturday that we were hunting, Saturday morning, we go out, it was one of the other guys that I normally hunt with, they ended up scouting the field. And it turned into a complete bust that Saturday morning. And it was hilarious because I'm like, yeah, like, welcome to waterfall hunting. You know, you sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. And it actually turned into a pretty awesome day where that Saturday night, I'd been watching this field already for a few days that I knew some birds were in and we're going to fly around. And the next afternoon, it was me and him. And we're like, you know what, let's just go out take it back to the basics uh you grab a bag of dive bombs i'll grab a bag um let's grab our guns and just layouts and go sit in this random field that i think birds are flying over you know maybe a few are feeding in it nothing crazy so we went out there and we're able to harvest 
I think it was like three ducks at, or it was three geese at two or three ducks that we were able to shoot that day. And I've never, one of my favorite feelings is getting somebody like their first bird uh, because he just had an awesome grin on his face and was like, wow, like now I see what you're talking about because the birds that we did had work that day. They came in and worked us perfectly, you know, came right into the decoys and he was able to get a couple shots off at them and shoot his first duck and first goose and just seeing the, you know, smile and satisfaction of him of, you know, kind of being uh, upset about the first hunt and then turning into, ah, let's throw it up. Let's, let's see what happens kind of ordeal and actually being successful um, just kind of made it all worth it. Wait, so that the first hunt that you talked about when you guys laid the absolute smack, that is when he yes. was in the airport. Then you go pick yeah. him up from the airport, tell him all about that, and then you go out the next day and it's a bust. Pretty much. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hilarious. He's probably like, you, yeah, know, you, you guys I, are full of yeah, shit. You made yeah. that up. He goes, you know, he was all upset and he's like, man, this is bullshit. You know, like you were smacking him yesterday. <laughs> and it, yeah, usually when I go out hunting and stuff like that, I actually like to personally lay my eyes on the field that we were going to hunt the next day. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to get there because I was scouting in a complete different area. And my one friend that we were going with uh, actually saw these birds at. So I was kind of going in blind. Me, myself, was going in blind. Um, and so I was super uneasy about it in the first place. But yeah, yeah, it was funny how that kind of turned out where I laid the hammer on him and then it was a bust. Well, it's kind of like like uh, fishing. You know, you can go and absolutely piss pound them one day and then you tell your buddy about it and you go back to the same spot the next day and uh do the exact same thing yeah no single one <clears throat> yeah do the same thing you did the day before and nothing yep that's happened to, yep. that's happened to jake and i a couple times ice fishing yeah yeah that was exactly how it went and then yeah kind of and that day it was you know super rewarding to see him you know being like, okay, maybe this isn't going to be a bus trip after all. Uh, and uh, was able to harvest, I think, yeah, it was like five or six birds that first day. Sounds like you uh, you put a put a dent in the the waterfowl population when you were when you were back home here. Yeah, so through and through, so me and him, uh, I told him I was like, hey man, like I have a goal for us to shoot a hundred birds these five days that you're back um this is excluding that first day um that we were hunting i actually did a tally up on my notes um while we were back home because we were like you know what let's get to those hunter birds um i know i can do it you know let's see how close we can get and so we ended the week with 55 mallards 20 geese one speckle belly five green wing teal and then actually got one banded goose as well did you get the band or did he get the band uh a different person actually got the band oh. another guy that i took out waterfall hunting for the first time of course got the band <laughs> beginner's luck well, hey, that, that'll make him want to come back it's some always, more always beginner's luck yeah he's yeah. hooked now yeah we we try to be as fair as we can when we shoot bands uh, be as fair as we can and usually do a drawing for him so we'll grab a few extra shells and stick a feather at them and close them up. Um, and then everybody draws one and who's ever got the feather gets the band. But yeah, I mean, it was super funny how that went about. 
Uh, we were out hunting kind of by Wapton, um, and we're goose hunting. Actually had these geese coming in, stuff like that all day. We had geese coming in, shot like, I think it was 14 or 15 geese that day. It was me and two other guys. And so, okay, pretty successful day, I'd say. Um, and as we were picking everything up, we get all we get everything picked up, and you know we're lining the geese up for a pile picture, and we like take our pile picture pics and stuff like that, packing the rest of the stuff in the trucks, and all of a sudden we hear here this guy who actually won the band, he picks up the goose and he goes, you know this one's got a band on it, is that bad? And we <laughs> me and one friend up by the truck. We were like, no way, you know, and my buddy that flew in was standing next to him and knows about banded birds. And he looks at him and goes, yeah, man, that's bad. We got to get out of here. you know. <laughs> and so the dude takes off running thinking he's going to get in trouble or something. He took off running across the field as all three of us are sitting there dying laughing, you know. <laughs> and yeah, actually, he the person who we kind of pranked. uh ended up winning the band anyways so it was kind of funny to see that wrap around well i suppose with the with the bands you know it, it's uh, probably pretty rare that only one person shoots and you're like yep that's his pretty much yeah I, and how that hunt went was we were shooting birds and as they were falling we had another group coming in and working us so we didn't we weren't even having like time to go and pick them up and when we did have time, we weren't looking, you know, we weren't looking for the bands. We were just grabbing them, throwing behind the blinds, or, like, straightening them out, look like not dead birds, and waiting for the next flock to come because they were right behind them. I suppose they can be, it can be pretty, uh, pretty action-filled and spread mm-hmm. out, or is it is it pretty even, like, pr- pretty consistent, or does are there, you know, pretty big amounts of time where you're you're having to take a break yeah when uh, all in all through waterfall hunting it is pretty consistent um how the birds get off the roost is they will they'll get off in smaller groups most of the time uh depending on the birds um snow geese work differently from ducks geese you know depending on the species they'll get up at different times and stuff like that but usually it's from right before first shooting light, you'll have your ducks start flying in, and then about an hour, anywhere from like 20 to an hour, your geese will start flying in. And once those first birds start coming in, it's usually pretty consistent. On a good hunt, it is, or it should be pretty consistent where they're coming, you know, within minutes of each other. So, like, you're shooting birds, running out, grabbing them, running back in, and as you're running back in, other birds are already looking at you, coming in, and working your shred. So, say something were to happen where you, like, you had some that were going to lock up and come in, and they, you know, you spooked them out of there, and they, they don't come in. Is that something where, where that's just a one-time thing, or is there a, is there a chance that, you know, you scare one big group away, and then the rest of them that are around there... <clears throat> they're they're not gonna come in or is it like again this is coming yeah. coming from a guy that do- yeah. has never done it before so i that might be a stupid question but no 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 i mean it, dude what you just described happens all the time uh you're also be running back in and we'll, you'll get busted is what we call it you'll get busted by that flock that's coming in behind them 
Um, and usually the hope is that they will turn around and link up with the next flock. That's the goal of it is to link up with that next flock coming in and come in as almost a bigger group. So they'll, and they'll be... that, you know, that's the goal to have happen because when you get busted, you don't want to shoot at them. You don't want to make a bunch, you know, a bunch of movement, a bunch of crazy stuff um, happen, you know, to actually like scare them off to start migrating or doing whatever crazy stuff that waterfowl do. Uh, but yeah, that's the goal. We've actually, I mean, it gets funny sometimes because like you'll get busted and they'll turn around and you'll be sitting there watching them as you're walking back and they'll just turn around because they want that field or <laughs> wherever you're at so bad. So they'll come right back around. They're smart enough to stay out the first time, but stupid enough to loop around and come back in. Welcome to waterfowl hunting. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how that'd be, that'd be, uh, entertaining yeah. in itself just just having them you know because i've been like i said the one time we went we did have a couple flocks that came in and we never never got anything but uh it yeah. was it was cool just like they they see the decoys and they're like yep we're gonna land there yeah i yep. also like what you're just saying it's the only time i've ever done it before we were on a slew but it sounds like you're in a field and you're saying you you line up the the dead ones to look as not dead ones to use the real ones as dead decoys <laughs> Correct. Yeah. That's kind of how we like to do it is some of the dead ones will line them up to almost look like a sleeper shell is the goal of it. Or you like to put them behind the blinds where the, you know, the whatever birds won't see them. Right. That's funny. So what else, what else you got coming up? You, you, uh, you did really well with the waterfowl. You had a fun elk hunt when you were back in town. Um, what what what's coming down the line as far as fishing, hunting, anything like that? And then when are you when are you coming home again? Yeah, so kind of going down the line and stuff like that. Uh, hunting season is officially kicked off out here in North Carolina, um, and so this year my plan is to go out deer hunting just like how I would every year. Uh, I get a few more tags out here. We actually get four doe tags and two buck tags, and if you fill that up, you can go ahead and purchase another six. So that's pretty cool. Um, just because the deer are overpopulated out here. Um, I have a bear tag this year. So next weekend I'm heading out for a deer slash bear hunt. Um, and super excited for that. Um, and also out here we got, you know, I was able to get, get a hold of some decoys and stuff like that out here. So we were going to try and see how some of the waterfowling differs from here than actually north dakota so try and get out do some like timber almost hunting um for waterfowl and then also get out with some guys that i actually met get out and do some coastal hunting as well for ducks what's the so, yeah. uh what are the season dates down there because up here i know deer hunting or, or arch rifle season's going right now and by the time this episode airs it, it'll be done uh, but then archery season will go until the first weekend in January. What are your What are your yeah. season and when When is the waterfowl close up here? When does it close up in North Dakota? Yeah. Um. So ducks should be closing up right at the beginning of December, and I think geese go all the way to the third week of December, if I'm correct. Okay, well, Usually geese stay open a lot longer than ducks because I think federally they're regulated to only 60 days of duck hunting. What about down there? 
So down there, down here, we actually have a couple. It's split up. The season is split up into like two and three, uh, two to three week blocks. And so we're already halfway through the duck season. Um, deer hunting, we're not even halfway through. It lasts. It goes from gun season lasts from October first all the way to January first out here. Holy so I got plenty of time wow. to get out deer hunting. Each person can get twelve deer. That takes time. <laughs> Yeah. You archery hunting at all down there or just rifle? No, I'm actually just doing rifle and actually shotgun hunting as well, depending on where I go. Hell yeah. Well, you'll have to be, uh, you'll have to stay in touch and uh, send us some pictures once you go on those hunts and, and, you know, get get a bear. That'd be cool to do a bear episode and then. And fill your six six tags. I was going to say, once you fill all your tags, we'll have to, we'll have to have you have you back on again for sure of course of course well do you remember do you remember what time it is now from the last time you were on i mean it's it's been a while since i've been on the, but the uh the, yeah, the, no. the, the questions the question you, oh god what you, questions did you ask do you remember that <laughs> or did we, were we not doing that when you were on last oh pretty, pretty positive i think we did it. so the the question segment is you ask a complete random question. Doesn't have to be associated with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Think, yeah. I'll, I'll give. I'll, I'll let you have the. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the break on it. I'm gonna put Jake on the spot because you guys are probably on about the same time. It was the last time Jacob was on too. This is his first episode back and a handful. He's over there like, like really. I knew you were gonna call me out yeah, on this I eventually. I, I should have been thinking of it too. I don't know. And then the only catch is if it's been asked before and we remember it, you can't ask that question. Okay. Okay, so I, I think I've seen this on a TV show or so I don't know something. I think within the past week, it it it's it's a unique question. But what do you think your last words will be? Like before you pass, what do you think the last thing you're going to say is? <laughs> Dylan, you can go first. <laughs> My last, my last words is I'm gonna look at my family and friends around me and go. I hid the money over and then just fly <laughs> Mine's gonna be it's about damn time. Yeah. Your turn. <laughs> I knew that was too much gunpowder. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That one's never been asked. Yeah. <laughs> I hid the money over. Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I like That's a good one. That was that was a good one. All right, Wolf yeah, Graham. Always got to get them, you know. Y- your turn. Okay. Um, oh God, you didn't give me enough time to think about this. <laughs> oh, I just okay. thought another good one. Um, okay. This week, what has been your music genre, go-to music genre? Ooh. Um, Shania Twain. Shania Twain. So it's not a, my not, future ex-wife if you don't know. <laughs> not a not a genre, but uh, we just I just went yeah. and saw her in she's, concert. She's basically her own genre. She pretty much is. I just went and saw her in concert. Uh, at the time of recording, it's currently November thirteenth, and we went and saw her on the fifth last Sunday. Okay, two Sundays yep. ago. It was, it was pretty great. Not gonna lie. So yeah, been playing a lot of a lot of Shania and. <clears throat> little fun little side story on that so when we were out rifle hunting this last weekend typical i see your questioning answers hasn't changed i didn't miss that the last 10 episodes you've been gone 
um, when we were out rifle hunting last week, and I'm like, you know, I know why the deer aren't coming. Like, we haven't seen no deer. I placed an eye on the truck. Oh, saw deer the rest of the day. running out. We did it three days in a row, man. I don't know what it is, man. <laughs> she tracks everything. All right, your turn. Ah, oh, shoot. What was the question again? Favorite genre? Ah, uh, for the week? Well, it's Monday. Yeah, for the week. I haven't listened to anything yet today, but uh, getting pretty kind of run down, so Screamo. Oh, damn. Heavy metal oh, Screamo. Okay. Yeah. Holidays, family time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get it for the drugs. Jeez. All right. My question. How many unread text messages do you have on your phone right now? Zero. Zero? How many do you have, Jake? 199. I, I zero for my job. I, like, we have to always stay in touch and stuff like that. So, yeah, zero. You have zero? Jake, how many do you have? Holy shit. Jake has 199 unread text messages. Jake. Hey, I'm down to Jake. 198. I just read yours. Go ahead, Dylan. Give him a piece of your mind. <laughs> what if I would have texted you? You know, you probably just would have skimmed over it. You know. Well, no, you'd been like an out of the ordinary text, so I'd I'd have definitely Are responded. You just would have joined with the rest of the pack or something. Or, <laughs> yeah, I'd have finally hit two hundred. Important came across. You you uh, you text him and he'll swipe up on that and press play on his screamo and and you'll never yeah. hear from him again. Uh, my answer. Hold on, Dylan. I gotta move you here to look at my phone. Um, sixty-five. So that's that's not too bad. Okay, I feel like there's no difference. It's either you have some or you don't. What's really what's the difference between two hundred and sixty-five? Yeah, yeah. What what's going on here? Like I, I don't know. Maybe that's just like how I am. Like I have to know. You know. Like why why do you? My question is why do you guys not read your text messages? <laughs> okay, in my defense, a lot. So, most of those are group texts that I just didn't say anything in and the conversation is over already okay what's your excuse what if there's something important to that well i probably read them all i just didn't like click into the message like i just read the notification you know yeah that's what i'm gonna go with i I read them all and if it doesn't like require an immediate response open your phone (laughs) and i'll do the same thing here dylan you're at zero so you're you're like better than us scroll down to the 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 farthest back unread text and what is the date on that text 10 16 2022 <laughs> jesus and who was that give him a shout out who was that i don't know right now it only pulls up as my mother it was a group text so you haven't texted your mom in a year and a half no that was just the first name on it it was, it was a group text and then the next one involves you, but see another group message. You know the uh, the funny thing is, Jake will now like he will now read all of his texts. He will never have unread texts now anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know about that. So, I'll, all right, Dylan, hold on, I gotta move you again. I'm gonna scroll back and look at the farthest back one that I have. Um. So yeah, oh. like I'm just mine's I'm not that bad. That. Mine's from eight sixteen twenty three, so I'm at least in this year. That's not much to brag about. Okay, but then if I go like up until it actually gets like a lot of them, yeah, I'm, 
Most of them are after six six twenty three. <laughs> well, okay, maybe like a third. No. <laughs> you know what? It's just not, not not important. I feel singled out. I did. I actually had that question in the chamber before I saw your phone, but then when I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, that that has to happen." <laughs> yeah, you know, I get bad. Or I, you know, I know that a lot. I've, what's the other one? Seven missed calls. I have thirty eight hundred and sixty two emails. Yeah. Okay. E- okay. What about emails? Dylan, you got a bunch of emails? Oh, yeah, dude. I, well, it depends on which email. <laughs> uh, I think my one that I use, like, for all the BS and stuff like that, the random stuff that I sign up, dude, I have, like, 10,000 emails that I haven't read. I, th- I wonder if it's, like, more normal to have zero unread texts. Like does that does it that probably s- is. does that say a lot about a person? I don't, it might because I know a lot of people do it because they say it just bugs them to see like the number there. I used to be Pretty that much. way. It, it it bugs me so much. <laughs> I got. A, I'm and just like looking through like my settings says I have four Messenger thirteen Snapchat two like I have a lot of things that have like an extra bubble. I don't even know what's going on this one Field View with four hundred and eighty. <laughs> yeah, so so me. so what so you're much. saying, Dylan, is if we text you, you will definitely. You might not reply, but you'll for sure read the text. I will know that you texted me, and eventually I will get back to you. <laughs> I mean, Nick, how fast did it take for you to text me tonight and me immediately text you back? Oh, dude, before I was even closing out of my app, you you had responded already. I just, I you know, maybe that's kind of grown into me from the Marine Corps, you know, being in all these important, you know, we got to be in some group chats and stuff like that that i have to respond to stuff um but yeah that's just how i am that makes sense that makes sense well hey man thanks for uh thanks for hopping on uh first of all i'm gonna ask if you have anything to close out with and then i'm gonna have you hang out hang out on the phone here don't hang up yet i'm gonna have you hang around a minute while we close this one out so with that do you got anything to close out with um, I mean, dude, just to close out, um, anybody listening out there, if you've ever, for one, if you've ever thought about giving Elkhart a try, I would definitely go ahead and do it because it is an experience unlike anything you've ever experienced. Um, whether it's in your home state or traveling to a different one, definitely give it a try. And along with that, you know, kind of because we did touch on it, I've said about waterfall too. Um, it'll, it's just a whole different type of hunting and it'll be out of your norm. So go ahead, give different, uh, different species of hunting, give them a try. Um, and yeah, that's about it. All righty. Hang on one second while we round this one out. Jake, what about you? You got anything to close with? I'd maybe wait, uh, until after Thanksgiving to try ice fishing. Yeah, it's going to be a tough year for ice. Yeah, I see the Valley News Live just gave me a notification. Tomorrow it's supposed to be 15 to 20 degrees warmer than the average. Sad. That's not helping ice condition. I think so. Other than that, that's all I got. Well, Jake, thanks for coming back on again. <laughs> it's been a minute. Yep, we'll Dylan, see you on episode 100. Th- thank you again for, for hopping on with us again. That was It's always fun when you come on. Um, but yeah, thanks again for tuning in everybody make sure you're leaving us a like a comment a review a share uh especially a review wherever you're listening uh just go up and give us however many stars you think that we're worth if you think we're worth one well give us one yeah if you think we sound horrible let us know yeah yeah so uh as always 
Um, we appreciate it. Thanks again for for tuning in this week, and we'll have plenty more episodes coming on down the line. Keep an eye out on the Instagram, the Facebook, the YouTubes, and uh, yeah. Oh, and don't forget about the giveaway. We're going to be having a post going up soon about our giveaway. So uh, episode 100 is in the near future. We'll, uh, we'll be there before we know it. So thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, we'll get back to you.